0: Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes to be killed and to be raised on the third day. Then Peter took Him aside and began to rebuke Him, saying, Far it be from you, Lord, that you, this should happen to you. And He turned around and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. I'm going to read it one more time. I want you to pay close attention to what's happening here. Verse 21, from the time that Jesus began to show himself to disciples, he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, scribes to be killed, and to be raised on the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far it be from you, Lord, that this should happen. And he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. Tonight, for a few moments, I want to preach on the thought, the dilemma of Peter, the the dilemma of Peter. Would you say that with me tonight? The dilemma of Peter. Look to your neighbor and say, Peter had a dilemma. Amen. You may be seated. We come to a passage of Scripture tonight that um, is quite intriguing. And the reason I think that this Scripture is intriguing is because I want you to look at the same chapter. I just read to you Matthew 16, 21 through 23. But I want you to go up a few verses to verse 13. Look at Matthew 16, verse 13. Look at it behind me. This is a few verses right before Jesus rebukes Peter. Jesus rebukes Peter and says, Satan, get behind me. Right before Jesus rebukes Peter, I want you to see what happens. In Matthew 16, verse number number 13, look at it. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do men say that I am? And so they said, Some say John the Baptist, Elijah, some say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you, Peter, that on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed. And then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. Now look at verse 21. This is the scripture I just read to you. From that time Jesus showed his disciples he must suffer many things, Look at verse 23, and then Jesus turns around and says, Get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense to me. Who was he talking to? He was talking to Peter. Now let me just stop right here, and I hope that you're getting what I'm talking about. Jesus praised Peter and said, Simon, you are blessed. Flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. So how many would agree with me that Peter heard the voice of God? I said, how many would agree with me that Peter heard the voice of God? Did Jesus praise Peter? Yes. He said, Peter, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my Father has revealed this to you. And then, six or seven verses later, Jesus says to the same man, Get behind me, Satan for you are an offense. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, that is a dilemma. How in the world can Jesus praise you in one scripture and then Jesus rebukes you in another scripture? Is there anybody who can just help the preacher out? Do you see what's going on here? Jesus praises him in one passage of scripture and then the other passage of scripture, Jesus rebukes Peter. That is Peter's dilemma. How in the world can Peter be praised one second and the other minute be rebuked by Jesus. Now, he is not being rebuked by a church member. He's not being rebuked by a pastor. He's being rebuked by the Son of God. The Son of God praised him, but yet the Son of God rebuked him. That is a dilemma tonight. And I believe, listen to me tonight, I believe that is the quest of our spiritual life tonight. The quest of our spiritual life is this, that one moment you can be walking in the Spirit, and the other moment you can be walking in the flesh. One moment you can be making the right decision. One moment you can be in church. One moment you can be glorifying God. One moment you can be prophesying. One moment you can be speaking in tongues. And the next moment, on Monday morning, you can lose your temper. Come on, somebody, and say a few cuss words that you probably shouldn't have said. Can I hear an amen? How many would agree with the preacher that I've been there before in my life? One moment I was walking in the Spirit. One moment I was making the right decisions. One moment the Lord Jesus was with me. And then the next moment I was walking in the flesh. Ladies and gentlemen, Peter is an example to all of us that walking in the Spirit is a decision that we got to make. Let me say that again. Walking in the Spirit is a decision. Walking in the Spirit is not goosebumps. Walking in the Spirit is not shouting. Walking in the Spirit is not necessarily speaking in tongues. Walking in the Spirit is making the right decisions in your life. And the reason you can make the right decision is because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you and you have that desire to make that right decision. Can I hear an amen? So Peter was walking in the flesh one moment and the next moment Peter was walking in the Spirit. He was walking in the Spirit and then he was walking in the flesh. And ladies and gentlemen, I would suggest to you tonight that many of us fall in that pattern. We can easily change by walking in the Spirit to walking in the flesh by a decision that we make. I want you to see four things in this story tonight that will help you grow in Jesus. How many wants to grow in Jesus and not walk in the flesh, but walk in the Spirit? There are four things that you see in this story that will help you. Number one, number one, He wills What you don't want sometimes. God's will sometimes is not what you want. Now, let me say this. Let me say it loud and clear. He wills what you don't want. In other words, God's will is not necessarily what you want. Now, let me prove this to you. Look at the story. Look at Matthew 16. And look at verse number 22. Matthew 16, verse 22. Look at Peter. Then Peter took him aside Begin to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, that this should happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, for you are an offense. Do you see that word offense there? That word offense means stumbling block or stumbling rock. It's a stumbling block. In other words, Jesus said, Get behind me, Peter, for you are a stumbling block to the things of God. So in other words, listen to me. Peter was saying this. Peter was saying, Lord, I know that you just said you're going to die. I know you said you're going to die. Is that what it said, verse 21? Look at it. Verse 21, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders, chief priests, scribes, and be killed and be resurrected on the third day. And what does Peter do? Peter goes to Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't want you to die Don't let it happen, Jesus. I don't want you to die. In other words, the will of God was for Jesus to die on the cross, but Peter's will and want was for him not to die. And that is a key to us tonight that sometimes God's will is not what we want. What did Peter want? Peter wanted Jesus not to die, but the will of God was for Jesus to die. And sometimes we've got to understand that your desires and your wants are not necessarily the will of God all the time. Did you hear me? There's one scripture in the whole Bible in 1,066 pages where it says he gives you the desires of your heart. But do you know why that is there? Because when you are in a relationship with Christ, your heart becomes his heart and your desires become his desires. So here in this story, Peter's want, Peter wanted Jesus to live, but yet God's will was for Jesus to die. And you know what Jesus said to Peter? Peter, you are a stumbling block to me. You, your very words are a stumbling block to me. What you are saying to me, Peter, is a stumbling block to me. Let me ask you a question. Are you a stumbling block to people? Is your words a stumbling block to people? Is your attitude a stumbling block? Is your life a stumbling block? Is your testimony a stumbling block? Jesus said, get behind me, Peter, because you are a stumbling block. The very thing you said to me is going to cause me to stumble, but I refuse to stumble because I'm going to fulfill the will of God. And ladies and gentlemen, the will of God was for him to go to cross But yet Peter didn't want that to happen. And sometimes in our Christian life, God's will is against our wants. God's will is against our wants. Number two, in the story, we find that, number two, even the righteous needs to be rebuked. In this story, you find that even the righteous needs to be rebuked. You see, Peter was righteous, was he not? Peter was one of the disciples. And guess what happens? Jesus turns around to Peter and Jesus rebukes Peter. Do You hear what I just said? Jesus rebukes Peter. That tells me that sometimes even righteous people need to be rebuked. Just because you're saved and sanctified and got a big Bible and you go to church every week does not mean that everything's okay. Can I hear an amen? You see, What you have to understand that Peter was rebuked, and sometimes God will cause things to happen in your life because he's trying to bring correction. Now, let me explain something to you. How does God correct something in our life? If a righteous person needs to be rebuked, how does God operate? Number one, if somebody needs to be rebuked, a righteous person, number one, The Lord will never do it publicly. Now, hold on, I'm going to explain something. Number one, there is no public embarrassment. Number two, he does not cause you to lose everything. And number three, he does not cause you to have a painful punishment. Let me say that again. When the righteous needs to be rebuked, the Lord does not do it publicly. He will not bring painful punishment to you, nor will he cause you to lose everything. However, those things might happen if you don't heed to somebody who comes to you in compassion and concern. If somebody comes to you in compassion and concern because they've been in that situation and they come to you in compassion and concern and they are saying to you, listen, I've been there and I have a concern about your spiritual life. I think that maybe you need to pray about this and don't do this. And you reject wisdom and counsel, that comes from a spiritual leader, then what God will do, He will embarrass you publicly, there will be painful punishment, and you will lose everything. Boy, I'm preaching real good. You remember the scandal in the 80s where men and women had fallen from grace who pastored thousands of churches, pastored thousands of people? Do you know that in every case where these men fell, did you know that their denominational leaders corrected them and told them to sit down down and be counseled, and yet those men refused to heed the counsel, and guess what? They lost everything, it was painful, and the Lord did it. He did it publicly. You see, God is saying, my will is that I don't embarrass you publicly. My will is I don't want you to lose everything. My will is that you don't don't experience painful punishment if you do not listen to the servant that I send to you. Boy, this is some good preaching right here. You you say, well, pastor, how do I know this? Look at Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 1. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 1. Galatians chapter 6 verse number number 1. I want you to listen to the words of the Apostle Paul here. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 1. Verse number 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any fault, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself also to be tempted. You know what Paul is saying here? Paul is saying this. Somebody has to go to you and tell you in a spirit of compassion, in a spirit of humility, to change. Somebody has to go to you. Paul is saying somebody will come to you, and how will they come to you? They will come to you in the spirit of gentleness, in the spirit of gentleness to bring that fault to your attention. You hear that? Don't do it arrogantly. Don't do it like you, you've arrived. Paul said do it in the, in the spirit of gentleness. Do it in a spirit of meekness. Do it in a spirit of compassion. Go to that person. But the Bible says you must be spiritual. Now, we don't, we don't preach about this, but look at the wording here. Brethren, if any be overtaken. The word overtaken means if any person has fallen into sin. If any person has fallen into sin, you who are spiritual, the word spiritual here is the word mature. Those spiritually mature people, the spiritually mature people should go to another person in a spirit of meekness and humility. If you are not mature, You're going to go to the person with a cocky attitude and tell that person you better straighten up or else. And that's not what Paul was saying. Paul was saying you can go to a person and bring a fault to their attention if you are mature and spiritual and if you do it the right way. Did you hear me? If you do it the right way. You do it in a spirit of meekness and you do it in a spirit of gentleness if you are spiritual. So guess what? Not everybody is ordained to rebuke you. Not everybody is ordained to correct you. Not everybody is ordained. Come on somebody. The Bible says only spiritual people are called to be bring correction. Spiritual. The mature people are called to bring correction and rebuke. So not everybody is called to be in the ministry of rebuking. Listen. Come on somebody. I've seen people, I've seen people go up to somebody and try to rebuke them. What? They have a spirit. They don't go to church. They don't tithe. They gossip. Come on, you are in no place. The Bible says ye who are spiritual and mature go in a spirit of meekness and humility. Now, guess this. Don't lose me because I got a point here. Jesus rebuked Peter because notice the word that Jesus used. He turns around to Peter and says, Satan, get behind me. Do you know that phrase is the exact phrase that's found in Matthew 4 when Jesus was tempted and he looked at the devil and what did he tell the devil? Get. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 4 to the devil? Satan, get me. And what does Jesus say to Peter? Satan, get behind me. Do you know what Jesus was saying to Peter? Jesus is saying to Peter, Peter, I've been there before. I've already wrestled with the devil. I've already had a fight with the devil. And I'm coming to you to tell you, Peter, that you better straighten it up or you're going to fall in the same mess. Jesus is saying, I have already wrestled with the enemy. I've already done this. I've already been in your place, Peter. And that's what God is saying. If somebody is concerned and full of compassion and a spirit of gentleness coming to you, saying to you, I've been there, I don't want you to fall in that mess. And if you don't receive it, you will be embarrassed, you will lose things, and you will go through a painful punishment. I promise you. The question tonight is this. Do you have enough humility to be rebuked if somebody brings a fault to your attention, who is spiritual? Do you have enough humility if somebody comes to you in a spirit of gentleness, who is spiritual, and point out something the Lord has revealed that you need to work on? Do you have enough humility and enough Jesus on the inside of you that you want to correct it? Ladies and gentlemen, This is what we call the difficulties of discipleship. The difficulties of discipleship is when we got to listen to godly correction and still receive the word of God. Now, don't lose me. Because when I was studying this, notice what happens here. Jesus looks at Peter and get this. He says, Peter, Satan, get behind you hear that? Get behind me. In other words, Jesus is saying, Peter, I am going somewhere that you have not yet gone. And you are basing your decision upon reason when I can base my decision on where I'm going based on revelation. See that? Jesus' life was based on revelation. He knew he had to go while Peter said, I want you to stay behind. People who cause you to stay behind in life are people who are only walking in reason and never tapping the spirit of revelation. The spirit of revelation will make you see things that nobody else sees. The spirit of revelation will make you believe things that nobody else believes. And people, people, listen, people want to keep you behind. People want to say, oh, don't do that. Stay behind, stay behind. But let me tell you something. If you get revelation, it will cause you to go forth because you can see what nobody else sees. Can I hear an amen? So, number one, I want you to see that God's will, sometimes he wills things that we don't want. Number two, even the righteous has to be rebuked at times. Peter was rebuked. But number three, guess this. Number three, you will feel distance in life. In other words, you will feel distance. You will feel distant from God. Now, let me clarify what I'm saying here. Get this. Why did Peter, if he was praised in Matthew chapter 16, and the Lord said to Peter, Peter, blessed are you, Peter, Simon, bar Jonah, I mean, it's one thing for your spouse to call you blessed and honey and baby, sweetcakes, apple dumplings, but it's another thing for the Lord Jesus to look at you and say, blessed are you Simon bar Jesus said, you know what Jesus is saying? You know what the word blessed there means? You're highly favored, Peter. And this revelation you got, didn't come from people, it came from God. Now, why, why, get this, don't lose me. Why did Peter say to the Lord, Don't go to the cross, Lord? Don't go to the cross. You know why he said that? Because Peter had been with the Lord for three and a half years, and Peter didn't want to lose one of his closest friends. And Jesus is saying, Listen, I know we ate together. I know that we went traveling together. I know I healed the sick and you were there. I know I preached on the Judean hillside and you were there. I know that we were close for three years. And I know you don't want to lose me. You don't want to see your best friend hanging on a cross. I know that's hard for you. But you got to learn something. You've got to experience a little distance in your spiritual life. In other words, Jesus is saying this. My separation from you is actually preparation for the next level of your life. Did you hear me? Now listen, don't lose me. Jesus is saying the separation is actually preparation for your next level. How do I know that? Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. So Peter is behind the Lord while Jesus is in front of Peter. In other words, Jesus is in front of because he is going in a direction to prepare something for Peter. Your separation is actually preparation of what God wants to do in your life. So guess what? If you feel distance from the Lord... If you're struggling with where is God and why am I feeling this way? Well, guess what? You are behind the Lord because the Lord is in front of you and he is going to a place to prepare for you. Somebody say amen. Separation is actually your preparation for the next level. Separation is preparation for the next level. Jesus is saying, listen, Peter, listen. I know you don't want me to die. I know you don't want to see me hang on the cross because we have been friends for three years. But what you don't understand is that even though there's separation between us, I've got to do this. I've got to fulfill the will of God because if I don't, I can't go away and prepare a place for you. So listen. If you feel separation from the Lord, let me remind you tonight that God is actually preparing something for you. He's preparing something for you. Listen to me. Number four, listening can actually set you free. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Listening can set you free. How many's ever told your child, Bobby? Take out the garbage. Do this. Do that. And they did half of it. And you ask him, "Why didn't you?" Well, I didn't know you want me to do it. And you look at him and said, "Did you listen to anything I just told you?" Sometimes we hear, but we don't listen. Now I'm trying not to shout tonight, because when you read the Bible, you got to read the Bible, Sister Aileen, because Peter didn't really listen. Can I just tell y'all something, Peter? really didn't listen because look at it look at verse 21 i'm about to shout how many is going to shout with me i said how many is going to shout with me ready matthew 16 verse 21 this is the key this is the key verse 21 from that time jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to jerusalem suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and to be killed and to be raised on the third day if peter would have really listened to the lord he wouldn't just have focused on his death, but Peter would have said, listen, I know his death is only temporary. Jesus also said that he was going to be risen from the dead. Woo! Sometimes the problem with us is that we really don't listen. There was no need for Peter to be rebuked if Peter would have just listened. Oh, He is dying, but he said he's going to be risen from the dead. But you know what the flesh does? Get this. The flesh listens to negativity more than it listens to the positivity. The flesh listened to, oh, you're dying, Jesus. You're going to suffer, Jesus. Jesus. The priest is going to kill you, the elders and the scribes, they're going to kill you. That's all Peter ever focused on, and that's why he was rebuked. If you are not careful, if you are walking in the flesh, you will be more prone to listen to negativity than the things of God. How is it that everybody can come to this church and people have good experiences, and yet the same people on your church pew don't have that experience? Because it's the condition. Of their heart if you're walking in the flesh you're going to automatically be prone to listen to the negativity that he will be killed but if you walk in the spirit hallelujah you know what walking in the spirit is walking in the spirit is discerning that death is only temporary but Jesus also said that he was going to be risen on the third day you see if Peter would have really listened He could have saved himself from being rebuked. He could have told himself, I'm losing my friend. He's going to die, but it's only temporary because Jesus also said he's going to be risen from the dead. Jesus told his 12 disciples, get this, in closing, Jesus told his 12 disciples for three years that he was going to die and he's going to be risen from the dead. But yet, on Easter Sunday morning, you only found a few women at the tomb. Where in the world was Peter, James, John, and Andrew? Did they not hear the message for three years? Ladies and gentlemen, they heard the message, but they didn't listen to the message. Because if they really listened to the Lord, they would have been there early Sunday morning waiting for His resurrection. How many of you fell in not receiving the blessing of God because you're not really listening the first time. Well, this is some good preaching tonight. Is this all right? See, listening can set you free. Yet, Peter was rebuked that day. <laughs> you see, that is Peter's dilemma. The dilemma of Peter is this. Am I going to walk in the Spirit which is governed by revelation or am I going to walk in the flesh which is governed by reason? i gonna say that again. The dilemma of Peter is that if I walk in the flesh I will only be governed by the reason but if I walk in the Spirit I will be governed by revelation. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to let you know that my eyes, my spiritual eyes, have seen something great coming to Galena. <laughs> Woo. I'm not governed by the reason, I'm not denying reason, I'm not denying it, but I have seen something that you haven't seen yet, and I'm telling you, it's glorious I'm telling you, the windows of heaven's going to be opened upon us. I'm telling you, the fire of God's going to fall. I'm telling you, the glory of God is going to run like a river. I'm telling you that my eyes have seen the glory of God because I choose to walk in the revelation that God has given me. Like Pastor Lendo said, come up higher, church. Shake yourself and come up higher. Let God expand your thinking today. Let's think big and let's believe big. Let's pray for big things. And I promise you when you walk in the Spirit and you're governed by revelation, I promise you you'll see things. And that is why Jesus ended the chapter. He said, listen, if you're going to follow me, you've got to deny me. Because revelation and walking in the Spirit only happens by self-denial. He ends that chapter by that. Hallelujah.